That's the portion of the service where all the introverts start freaking out. They're like, no, don't touch me. Hey, I want to just welcome you to church if you're a guest with us. And I haven't met you. My name's Josh. That was my wife, Stephanie. We're honored to serve as the pastors here. And I want to just say welcome, welcome home. Thanks for being here. Maybe you're here visiting for Thanksgiving. And we just want to say thanks for being here. I'm going to be at the front door. I'd love to shake your hand. Hear a little bit more about how you found us. And again, just say thank you for coming today. Hey, today's a great day. We're finishing our series on generosity. Everybody say generosity. generosity. And I got to tell you right now, I blew my voice out at the first service, so I really need your help today. They took my monitor away, so I can't hear myself. So you guys have to help me preach today, all right? Everybody say generosity speaks. Generosity speaks. Say, so does a stingy heart. Turn to your neighbor and say, I hope he's not talking about you. We love to say it this way. It's actually one of our core values here at the church. And our core values represent who we are. We say it this way. If you cut us in the street, these are the values that we would bleed. And one of them is we believe that our generosity speaks. And what does it speak of? It speaks of God's goodness. It speaks of God's graciousness. It speaks of his mercy, his kindness, his love for us. And every time we're generous in whatever capacity... I think you should be reminded you got that from God, your father. You're not just that nice. It's the DNA in us. In fact, when you were saved, when you gave your heart to the Lord, you got a blood transfusion in the spirit because your old natural carnal selfish way died that day. And the Bible says that we were recreated, resurrected with Christ. And man, we come up looking, smelling, talking, and giving just like he did. We really believe that generosity speaks for us. And so for the last five weeks, we've been talking about this idea that, that we believe our time, everybody say time, our talent, which is your gifts, and our treasure. Those are all gifts of God. They've all been blessings to us. And we say it this way, they are blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing. I want to take a few minutes and I kind of want to recap where we've been the last four weeks, and then I want to give you one final point as we close. But let's start right here. Your blessed life is not just for you and your stuff. And your blessed life is not just for you to obtain more stuff. The blessing of God is on you and your household so you can be a blessing to all those people that you come in contact with every day. Everybody say every day. Every day we have the opportunity to be kind, to be gracious with our time, with our talent, our giftings, our abilities to help others, and even with our treasure, everybody say, my money. And I want to remind you of this, because I think this is important. Anytime you talk about money, people lock up and they start freaking out. Everybody needs marriage counseling, but nobody wants money advice. And I want to say this, the same way that we submit our marriages to God is the same way we manage and surrender our finances back to God. We're just stewards of it. And before you leave and say, oh yeah, another prosperity preacher, let me remind you, this is not, this is not prosperity preaching, this is biblical priority teaching. We've all seen money in the church abused and taken to great lengths to do all kinds of crazy nonsense, but nonetheless, even though men have mishandled things, there's still biblical principles that talk about the order of how things should be done concerning our giving. In fact, Acts 20 says it this way. It says, I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. Everybody say work hard. 
See, you remember the words of the Lord Jesus says, it is more blessed to receive than to give. Is that what it says? That's not what it says? I must, I must have messed that up. It's more blessed to than to receive. Your blessed life was God-ordained from before you were born so that you could be a blessing everywhere you go. And so that out of that blessing, guess what? He would get the glory. The Lord told me this in 2016. I was in my basement in North Andover, and I heard the Lord talk to me about the favor of God being upon my life. And he kept saying, there's going to be doors open for you that you can't open for yourself. And you're going to find deals that nobody else can find. And you're going to get preferential treatment. I kept saying, what in the world? He said, I want to pour my favor on you as long as you give the glory back to me. And this is where we've got this prosperity thing twisted. Is It's not about our stuff. It's about the giver of stuff. When someone looks at your stuff and says, man, how'd you get that? You can honestly look back at them and say, man, it's just by the grace of God I got any of this. I give him all the glory. And this is what I know about God. He'll continue to pour out favor and blessing on those that will testify of it and give him the glory. Here's the other thing I know. When you begin to brag and take credit for the things that God gave you, that spigot dries up. Say this with me. I get the favor. I get the blessing. He gets the glory. We talked a few weeks ago about how all this begins, but because before you can be generous, you've got to be a good steward. And we talked about tithing. We talked about the principle, not only in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, that it's God's plan to bless us. We just talked about that, Acts 20. It's more blessed to, to give than to receive. His, his goal is to bless us. But the tithe is simply a principle of stewardship. It's us returning to him what he's already given us. I could loan Nick my car this week and say, Nick, take my car and borrow it. And I can be a blessing to him because we have two cars. And Nick says, man, I really need that car. Thank you, Pastor. And guess what? Next Wednesday, next Sunday, whenever he shows up at my house to give me the car back, I don't need to freak out and be like, oh my gosh, what a blessing. Nick can't come by and say, hey, I really want to bless you, Pastor. I want to give you this 2006 Jeep Grand Cherokee. It's, it's, it's just, just something me and my family want to do. I'm like, Nick, isn't this the car I gave you last week? Shh, don't tell anybody. Make it seem like I'm generous. That's how many people treat their money and they treat God, is they don't want to expect the, uh, understand the idea that it's just a return. That's not generosity, that's stewardship. Thank you for all the amens. Everybody's still got turkey flowing through their veins. Right? Everybody's, oh, man, we just, we just got up from napping for two days. Now you're going to talk about money. Our tithe is about order. Everybody say order. And listen to this. When you're a child of God, God wants one thing from you. He wants you to trust him, and he wants you to put him first. Your tithe is your first fruits, not your last leftovers. I asked my wife between services. I said, what are we going to have for lunch? Because that's what I say during between services. I'm hungry. And she said, we're going to have turkey and stuffing. I said, we've been eating that for three days. I don't want no more of that. Order some of that Indian food. I want some chicken tiki masala. I want something to put my hands on turkey. I'm done. Listen, that's how we treat God sometimes. Is, well, if there's anything left over, we'll give it to you. 
A tithe is the first fruits. Everybody say first. first. It's our best. It's 10% of our income, and it goes through the local church. People don't tithe to a church. You tithe through a church. That's a big key right here because there's a lot of people that say, well, I don't trust the church with my money. You don't have to. You're not giving it to the church. You're giving it through the church to God. And guess what? He's the one that knows what happened with that. And guess what? He's faithful to meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. We said it this way. When order is restored, blessings are released. When we get the tithe in order and we honor God first, guess what? That 90% goes a lot further than the 100% did without the tithe taken out. Some of us, it's just a simple adjustment. You could say it this way. Small adjustments bring radical change. A tenth all of a sudden opens the windows to where it's like, man, where am I going to put all this stuff? Where am I going to put all this blessing? You're going to give it away and you're going to sow it. As seed. Seed is the thing we talked about in week three. We talked about seed is something we sow. Everybody say sow. Over and above the tithe. The tithe comes first. Your seed comes second. And this is what 2 Corinthians says about giving. He says, God loves a cheerful giver. He'll give seed to the He'll give seed to the sower. In fact, he says it this way. He's looking for people to sow resources throughout the nations. Can he find somebody? I say this all the time. I'm in the shower and I'm, I'm praying. I do a lot of praying in the shower because just me and the kids are downstairs. And it's like that, that 20 minutes of quiet time. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm in there. I'm scrubbing my hair and I'm thanking the Lord. And I tell him, Lord, I'm a sower. You know you can trust me with it. Bring me seed. And here's what I know. When I pray, he continues to bring me seed because he knows if he'll get it to me, he can get it through me. The Bible says it this way. What a man sows, what a woman sows, what a little child sows, that shall they also reap. So sow a little, receive a little. Sow a lot, receive a lot. I don't know what you need in your life. Going into the holiday season, I don't know what it is that you want or desire. Going into 2024, I don't know what goals and dreams or aspirations you're starting to write down and chart out for the next year. But I want to say this, live life with an open hand. And guess what? These hands will be full all the time. When you live a life of generosity, you consistently sow seed in kindness, in gratitude, in deeds, in time, in, in, in in your money, in your resources, in your stuff. Guess what? It comes back in, in heaps and bounds, and you'll say, what in the world's going on? People will start to call you blessed. What are you doing with all those cars? I don't know. They just keep showing up. People keep giving me vehicles. I was thinking back over the last uh, the season of life. Stephanie and I have been married for 11 years, and since we've been married, we've had 13 vehicles given to us. 13 vehicles. And people would say, I don't understand that. I don't either, man. It makes no sense. I had a car and somebody gave me another car, which then enabled me to do what? To give a car away. What is that? That's the life of an extravagant sower. And here's what I know about giving. You can never outgive God. Well, what if I give it all away? Guess what? It'll show up again and again and again and again and again, and you'll have to start all over. That's how God works. He gave his best, 
And because of his best, that seed has gone forward to catch and snatch each and one of us from hell's grip. It's the seed that keeps on giving. Guess what? It's the same way. The principle is sowing and reaping. As long as there is seed, time and harvest, guess what? As long as the earth remains, that principle is in play for us. Let me ask you, when was the last time you sowed something? Sowed something of significance to you. I was telling the church last week that my dad was always a sower, always has been, he still is. And I went in to borrow one of his hunting rifles years ago as a teenager, and the rifle was not in the gun cabinet. And I was freaking out, like, oh man, this is dad's favorite rifle. Like, if this gun's gone, everybody, we, we better lock down the house. Something happened. And I went, I said, did, did you know that your 3030's missing? He said, it ain't missing. I gave it away. And I said, you gave it away. That was your prized possession. That was your favorite gun. He said, son, it was just a gun. And I said, what? It was your favorite gun. I mean, it was like the cherished possession. He said, it's just a gun. He said, I like having guns. I just need to make sure guns don't have me. I like boots. Guess what? I like clothes. I like stuff. But here's what I need to make sure is make sure the stuff I love doesn't have me. Because the moment stuff has a bind on us is the moment we stop giving and stop being generous and we start being stingy and hoarding for ourselves, which turns off the spigots of blessing. What a man sows, that shall he also reap. Last week we talked about with our panel, what does it mean to give when you don't have something? There are seasons in our life where God calls us to give something that we don't have. I said this to the first service, and I'll repeat it to you, because I think sometimes people think that, that, um, that our staff and our pastors and everybody make so much money. I'll say this, man, the staff and the team that serve here, they do it because they love this house and because this is what God's called them to do, not because it pays so well. Thank you for those two amens. But here's what I know about our staff and team. They're willing to give anything at any time. And that's why they serve here. We talked last week about the woman that Elijah was to go meet in the time of famine. And he meets this widow woman at the gate and the Lord speaks through him and he says, go get me some water. And I don't know about you, but that seems like a weird request in a time of famine. Truth is, his water would have been the most precious commodity in the time of a famine. But God through Elijah asked her, go get me some water. Might as well said, go get me a million dollars. She said, I don't have any water. I'm going to use a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour, and I'm going to make one little cake, and then me and my son, we're going to go die just like everybody else has died around us. We're the last people here. And he makes an unreasonable request. He said, before you make yourself a cake, bring me a little biscuit. I think he was from the South. Put a jalapeno in there. Put some cheese on that thing. I'm hungry, lady. It's famine time. And she started laughing. She said, you crazy. He said, the word of the Lord is to you. Bring me a biscuit. And guess what? She brought him the biscuit by faith. And he ate that. And the Bible says that that jar of oil didn't dry up. And that tub of flour didn't dry up. And she had enough not only for her and her family and Elijah for the days and weeks and months to come. When everybody else is dying out, guess what? She took what she thought would meet her need. And she turned it into a seed. 
Some of us, you say, I don't have a lot of extra money laying around. I don't know what he's asked you to give, but whatever he tells you to do, do it. Because I know this, when the, when the blessing of the Lord comes down, it tells us what to do. It enables the miracle that you can't see yet. Someone asked me last week, they said, do you believe that, that you can only sow into one thing? Like if I sow my time, I receive time. Or if I just sow my gift, am I just going to receive somebody else's gift? And do you believe that if I sow money, I'm only, only going to receive money? And I said, no. I believe that God's a miracle worker, that he can part the Red Seas and he can provide an escape route for you in a situation that seems dire and distraught based on a seed of you trusting him. He can bring your lost, long loved ones home, your kids that have run away, that are out on drugs. I believe a seed makes room for miracles in our life. I don't know what miracle you need, but whatever you've got in your hands, release it to the miracle worker and watch what he does in your life. Time and time again, we find people in Scripture who received a miracle simply out of obedience. It's very clear, the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. That's the blessing of the Lord over us. Today, I want to talk about this final piece for the next 20 minutes. I want to talk about patrons. Everybody say patrons. This word kept coming up in my heart over the last few weeks as we've been talking about sowing seed and honoring God with our giving. And then he began to challenge me and my wife to believe God not only for seed for you to sow, but for more people that would give. And that more people in 2024 would step up and understand that they actually have the gift of giving. I think we all have the ability to be generous in what we have, but I also believe that there are those that are anointed and called to make money to fund the gospel around the world. And I believe that about me and my wife. We believe that everything that God has given us and will continue to give us is to promote the gospel. I would say it this way. I'm a patron of the gospel. I like to say patron is, let me read this to you. Patrons are a group of people or an individual that supports an activity or an organization, especially by giving money. You could say it this way. It's people or people groups who feel compelled to move something forward by funding it. By funding it. I started doing some research on this word patron, and one of the phrases that pops up in Google is patron of the arts. You ever heard of that phrase? And I really didn't know what a patron of the art was until I did some homework, and I'm not a historian, so if my timelines are off, please, please don't correct me outside and embarrass me. But from what I understand, after the Middle Ages, there was this medieval time where, where there was a lot of stuff that was slowing down, and then we enter this period, I think it was in the 1500s, maybe earlier, where we call it the Renaissance era. And that word Renaissance means a rebirth. And in this season, there was a group of people who weren't working so much because there wasn't that much to do. They were artisans. They were craftsmen. And these men stood out in their craftsmanship, not necessarily because of how great they did work, but specifically in this season because of the materials they used. And people wanted them to build their 
their chapels and their coliseums and their churches and their homes and do woodwork and finish stuff in their property because of the exquisite materials they used. And the more that these guys began to work and work and work, there was a group of people that said, we need to make sure that artwork continues for generations and generations and generations. We need to make sure that there's some pieces created that our kids and our grandkids could experience. And there was a group of people that loved art so much, they were called patrons of the arts. See, these men at one time were just known as great craftsmen, but then they became commissioned by these wealthy individuals because they wanted to see their insight into the world and they wanted everybody else to see it. Some of these men like Michelangelo, Da Vinci, Botticelli, Raphael, Donatello, and some of the other Ninja Turtles. <laughs> these men were out of work but had a calling and a gifting and another group of people came beside them and said, we want to make sure that your work continues. Today we can view pieces of their work many, many years later, like the Mona Lisa, the creation of Adam, the Last Supper, the Sistine Madonna. It was a group of people that believed in the art so much that they said, we want to commission you to do this work. So the generations following us would have the same appreciation that we do. See, I believe there's the same stirring happening in the kingdom of God today. I believe there's a specific group of people who love the gospel so much they know they're called to underwrite it and to make sure that it continues to go out to the uttermost parts of the earth. I would say these are patrons of the church. And I feel in my heart, and I'll share more about this next week on Vision Sunday, and then I'll unpack it in 2024 for the purpose of it. But I feel like the church is entering a new season, and there's a generational shift coming. Well, there's a new group of people that will work together. Two groups of people that would work together. Pastor Oswald J. Smith out of Toronto used to call them goers and senders. In Romans chapter 10, Paul says, how then can they call on the one whom they've not believed? And how, how could they believe in one they have not heard? And how could they hear without somebody preaching it to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. He's talking about goers, people that would be willing to go into all the world and fulfill the great commission. And then in Philippians, we find him speaking to the church at Philippi. And Paul says, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave financial help when I first brought the good news. And then I traveled on to Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent more help more than once. I don't say this and I'm not writing to you today because I want another gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At this moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me from Epaphroditus. They are sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God our Father. And the same God who takes care of me, listen, 
will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Paul was saying to this church that he's willing to be the goer and he's thankful for them being the senders. Paul was the missionary. The church at Philippi was the group of patrons that believed in the message enough to fund it. Paul was saying to thank you to those that had supported him and telling them the same God that met his needs would meet their needs. I believe that there are many people in this room and watching online and listening by podcast. And when I read scriptures like this, something in your heart leaps because you say, that's who I am. That's what I'm called to do. I'm called to go to the nations. I'm called to preach the gospel. I'm called to make a difference in my community, in my neighborhood, on my job, in my school. And when we talk about these scriptures, I pray that it does lighten you up. That it lights something in you to understand that the life that you've been called to live is not ordinary. That there's a world out there dying and going to hell and they need people to come and preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And just as much as people get fired up about talking about going to the nations, I believe when we talk about funding it, there's another group of people that secretly, privately inside say, that's me. I have more than I know what to do with and it just keeps coming. I've been looking for the purpose of these resources. I believe that God is stirring the hearts of men and women that would say, I'm called to be a patron of the gospel. If there's somebody like Barbara that's willing to go and someone like JC that's willing to go, I know that I'm called to finance the gospel moving forward. And then there's those crazy people like me and my wife who we know our calling is both. For the last 23 years, we've been traveling the globe, 20 nations combined, and at the same time, every time we go, we know that we're called to sow. And every time that someone leaves this house, something happens in me where I say, I gotta be a part of that, and I wanna put as much money in their pockets as I can, knowing they're gonna go do the gospel work, and I'm gonna stay here by my fireplace and raise my kids. Some of us are called to do both, goers and senders. Truth is, is this church for 42 years has been a generous church. Continued day in and day out this last week, we celebrated 42 years. And I declare, because of your generosity and the stewardship of us handling resources well, we're going to continue to make room for the gospel to go for the next 42 years next. Each and every week you give out of the abundance of your heart and the obedience and it allows us to continue to send messengers around the globe. This week as I was praying, I heard the Lord say, your church is shifting. And I know a bunch of things behind the scenes and again next week I'll, I'll tell you more about that on our Vision Sunday. You'll want to be here because I'm going to talk to you about some radical changes that we're making as a church that will enable us to reach more and more people in the days to come. But as I was praying about the sermon and the Lord began to talk to me about those that have the gift of giving, he told me that this is going to be now a commissioning base. A place that people come, they answer the call, and then we send them right back out to minister the gospel. And my prayer is in this next season that we're going to see more and more young people say yes to the call of God and to go to the mission field, whether it's right here in Tewksbury or if it's all the way in Thailand, 
if it's right here in Malden or whether it may be Mozambique, my prayer as your pastor is that God begins to speak to our young people about taking their place as messengers of the gospel. And my prayer is that there'll be a group of people that God raises up beside them to say, if you're willing to go, we're willing to pay for it. And together we're gonna stand before the Lord and look at the masses of people that say, thank you for sending them. Thank you for sowing into them. I'm a product of their obedience. My prayer is in 2024, we'll fund the gospel at a greater level than we ever have. More missionaries, more projects, more kids programs, more mass crusades, more indigenous work, more frontier work. And I'll talk about that in the future, but I want to take just the last 10 minutes and say thank you to those that have been patrons of the gospel this year right here at IFC. Thank you for working hard and bringing your seed and bringing your tithe and trusting us with it. Your seed's making a difference. Where is it making a difference? Number one, everybody say number one. Your generosity, number one, goes to fund missionaries around the world. This morning, we have missionaries on five continents preaching the gospel because of your willingness to sow. There may be seven continents. I don't know about the other two. We know that we have missionaries on five that we support on a regular basis because of your generosity. To me, the light that shines farthest away shines the brightest at home. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but I'd love to tell you this, that when you give to International Family Church, we tithe off of your tithe. Every penny that comes in every single week, our bookkeepers and our accounts, they do, our, they do the math, they make the deposits, and then they take 10% off the top and they put it in a separate fund that goes all over the planet and comes right back here even to our local communities. Your seed is going around the globe today. Not only does it go around the world, your seed number two, it, it helps build this local church right here and it helps us support Ministries right here in the Merrimack Valley, right here in greater Boston area. Your seed is working in Lawrence this morning. Your seed is working in Methuen this morning. Your seed is working in Brockton this morning. Because we've partnered with organizations who have a call to do specific niche things that we as a church don't have the call. And so what do we do? We've undergirded them. Places like Place of Promise in Lowell where they help families get their lives back together after addiction and incarceration, help kids get the education, the clothing and food that they need. Your seed is making a difference right there. This morning and last week, your seed made room at the North Reading Food Pantry where we constantly help them to stock their shelves so that people can have a warm meal. Last week, I had the opportunity to go and be with my friends Lolly and Andres at Olive in July, they work with disabled families in the greater Lawrence area, and we handed out meals to 250 families that may not have had Thanksgiving because of your generosity. Your seed is making a difference right here. By the way, your seed is contagious because when we got up two weeks ago and we said, hey, we're going to give away all these turkey dinners, there was a first-time visitor 
came up to one of our staff members. He said, I want in on this. I want in on what? He says, my first time here, but I have a connection with Cisco. I want to donate 40 turkeys. And I was like, see, generosity does speak. When we tell people what we're doing, there's others that say, I have resource and I want to be a part of that. You're giving not only going around the world, but you're giving. It's making a huge difference right here in our backyards, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to the families that we do life with in our neighborhoods. And the third place that your seed goes this morning is your seed is going before you to make sure that the gospel reaches this generation and the next generation and the one to follow after that. I love our church for many reasons, but one of my top reasons that I love this church is we're a multi-generational church. In just a few weeks, we're going to be making some radical changes as far as how we minister to students because I want students to know you're not the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today. And we have a place for you. In 2024, you're going to Hear me talk more about what we're going to do for kids and students and young adults because in this next season, I feel like the Lord has told us to do life together, not separate. So starting in January, our 8th through 12th graders will no longer have service in the back in the block. We're inviting them right in here to worship alongside of mom and dad so they can see you worshiping God, so they can see you taking notes, so they can hear your voice praying, so you can be the example as the parent that God's called you to be. Number two, we're going to invite them. We're opening up all of our dream teams to make sure that young people know you don't have to get old and wrinkled before you can serve. In just a few months, you're going to see more young people on the stage singing and dancing and playing music. Maybe you come to your seat and there's going to be a young man and a young woman in an usher shirt helping you find the seat because they have the gift and the hospitality of the Lord. I believe you're going to see young men serving on our safety teams that have a call to go into the National Guard, the armed forces, police officers, firefighters, nurses. You're going to see some of those young people now serving right alongside of our active service duty members. I'm praying for young people to show us how to run these cameras and the sound system because guess what? We're, we're a few years behind. Here's what I'm praying that the young and the old will come and join hands together and we see explosive growth in our church because that's what God had intended. It's called a family of God. Everybody participates. Your sowing's going forward to help us equip young people to fulfill their calling no matter what it is. This morning as you dropped your babies off upstairs, mamas, listen to me. We're not just babysitting your child. Every diaper that's changed up there, they pray over your child, they read a confession, and they speak God's word over your kid, even when his mind or her mind doesn't understand it. Their spirit hears it. And this morning, if you dropped your kids off in the nursery or the preschool or the toddler room or one of the big kids' classrooms, we're not entertaining them so you can come down here and be with the old folks. We are equipping them to be warriors of the gospel at a young age. You're never going to drop your kids off in our church and see Paw Patrol on the TVs, even though our kids would love that. They're going to hear stories about the heroes of faith 
out of Hebrews chapter 11. The Noahs, the Abrahams, the Sarahs, the Sarahs, the Joshuas, the Calebs, the mighty Davids. That they would get a clear picture and understanding of this is what influence means, not some knucklehead on TikTok. It's time to raise up the next generation and release them now. So many parents are, and I'm not against homeschooling. Please, please don't run me through the ringer on this. But I don't want my kids homeschooled because I'm fearful of what they would experience. My kids are warriors to be sent into the battlefield. And if we don't send our kids into the public schools to stand up and be a light, who will? It's time for our church to reset some priorities so that the statistics don't apply to our 18-year-olds which says 70% of them want to leave church between 18 and 22 and they walk away for the faith. For me and my house, that shall not be. For you and your house, that shall not be. Because your seed is making room for us to minister to kids at another level in 2024. So, some of you only come to church every three weeks. So let me tell you what I told the church last week, and I shared this at Vision Sunday. We're stepping into a brand new season. Again, Vision Sunday, I'll share a bunch of details, but what you should know coming in the next few weeks is on December 17th, we're going to begin a major renovation of our, our facilities here on this campus, and we're going to start with this room right here. On December 17th, it'll be our last service in this auditorium until Easter Sunday, 2024, because this whole room's getting a brand new makeover. We're going to rip all the ceiling out and take it right up to the studs. All new high-tech lighting to where we can set the environment for the presence of God. New LED wall. There's brand new top-of-the-state-of-the-art sound system. What we're doing is we're making room. Not only technology-wise, we're going to strip these columns down to give better sight lines for those that are sitting in the back that come late. I love y'all. <laughs> and ultimately, what we're going to do is we're going to change some things, not only till we can serve you more efficiently. These doors are going to go away in the back, and we're going to move our sound booth over. There'll be two sets of doors on either side now, be able to get out of the auditorium quicker. But ultimately, what this does is it gives us the ability to increase our seating and have a greater experience for those that we invite to church moving forward. Right now, there's about 575 chairs. And when we're finished with this project, we'll be able to seat almost 700 people in here. And my prayer is that as we sow into this project, we're sowing on behalf of the empty seats, our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our lost sons and daughters, that they would come and join us and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ for the very first time. It's all about souls. As soon as we finish the auditorium on Easter Sunday, we're going to demo demolition, do the demo work on both lobbies, all new flooring, all new paint, all new lighting downstairs, all the way up in the Kids World lobby, that massive staircase that takes up the majority of our kids' lobby. We're removing that creating a greater space for young families to connect before and after the service. I'm so pumped about not only making room, but we're not making room for us. Your seed is making room for the lost. Here's what I'm going to ask, as I always do, is would you just talk to the boss? Some of you consider your wife the boss, and I think you should talk to her first. But greater than your spouse, would you talk to the giver of all good things? 
the one who gives us the ability to gain wealth, would you talk to the Lord about your part in this project? This project right now is right about a million dollars. The sanctuary loan's about a half a million dollars. And here's the thing that I love. We didn't have to wait to take up an offering because you're so generous. We already had seed. And because we stewarded your seed, well, this year we're going to come under budget significantly as a church. And we have so much money to go ahead and just get the project started before we even take up a, a, a gift, a, a passing of the buckets. But here's what I know about opportunities. There are short windows of opportunities. My prayer is that we're going to do this work very quickly because we're going to fund it with cash and we're going to pay for it as we go. Next week during our service, we'll have our regular tithes and offerings and then we're going to ask you to bring your best. And so above your normal tithes into the future. One of the things that I'm grateful for in the season of gratitude and thanksgiving is pioneers who came before me many pioneers who came before you, not only to say yes to the work of the ministry that we experience, but there was a group of patrons 42 years ago that funded this work. And then 30 years ago, and then 20 years ago, and 18 years ago, there was a group of people that funded the build out of the 50,000 square feet that we occupy in this building. But I'm asking the Lord, who's next? Who will fund the gospel so your kids and my kids have a place they want to come and worship and hear the gospel? And beyond that, our grandkids and our great-grandkids, that our seed would go before us and make room in the hearts of those that haven't even been born yet. I'm going to ask you, come next week with your seed, and we're going to watch God do something amazing. Would you bow your heads? Thank you for listening to me. When we talk about generosity, a lot of times it comes down to stuff and things. And I am talking about stuff and things, but right now in this moment, when I'm speaking of generosity, I want to talk about the greatest gift. Was it money? Was it time? It was the life of God's son. Humanity was in such disarray that God said, I've got to do something. I've got to fix this thing called creation that's gone sideways on me. And because he's a man of principle and he's the God of the word, he knew the only thing that would change humanity would be the seed that he could sow. And so he sowed his son, Jesus Christ, through a natural woman right here on earth supernatural childbirth through the young lady named Mary. And that man walked this earth for 33 years as an example to you and I and to all humanity on what it looks like to live the Zoe life, God's intended life for his creation. And then he sowed a seed with his life to pay for your sins, to pay for your sicknesses, to pray for the iniquities of humanity by dying on a cross. And the Bible says he poured out his blood and that blood covers our sins if we receive him. I want to extend the greatest gift you could ever receive today and it's a relationship 
with Jesus Christ. It's so simple. You don't have to go to a class. You don't have to go to a back room. You don't have to memorize any scriptures. The Bible is very clear that all who call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Saved from what? Number one, from eternity in hell. Number two, from yourself. From you creating your own life and your own agenda and coming up short. Through a life with Christ, we always win. It doesn't mean it's always going to be easy, but it means there's purpose. If you're here today and you need purpose in your life, maybe you need hope, maybe you need healing, maybe you need restoration, I would invite you to meet Jesus by praying a very simple prayer. On the count of three, if that's you and you want me to pray for you, just simply put your hand up. I won't call you out. I won't, I won't ask you to come down front. I wouldn't embarrass you. I just want to know who I'm praying for. You need Jesus Christ all across this room and online. On the count of three. One, two, three. Just raise your hand. Yes, I see you. Yes, I see you. Yes, 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 yes. I see you right here down front, buddy. I got you. I see you. Yes, 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 yes. So many hands. Yes. I see you over here, buddy. I see you right here. Yes, sir. That lady, I got you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Anybody else say, include me in that prayer, Pastor. I need Jesus. I see you right over here. I got you, boss. I got you all the way in the back. I see you right here. I got you, buddy. All across this room, we're a family church. We like to do things together. So I'm going to ask you out of, your, out of your heart right now, just pray this prayer with me. Maybe you prayed it before. Maybe some of you just need to pray it again and Reclaim your relationship with the Lord, but many of you that raised your hand, this will be the first time you pray this. Say this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your Son. Thank you for Him being the seed for the harvest I'm experiencing right now in my life. Today, I ask you to forgive me. I repent. I turn from my evil ways. I turn to you. Jesus, lead me. Guide me. Holy Spirit, show me the direction. Give me the wisdom. Father God, in front of, your, in front of my friends, in front of my family, I declare your son as the Lord over my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you make some noise for all those that prayed that prayer? Amen.